today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Trying to walk with God and trying to walk in the world. Trying to worship God and then trying to gossip about our neighbor and put them down. Trying to, beloved, you can't live in both worlds. And we're told if we're going to draw near to God, wash our hands, purify our hearts, keep from being double-minded, double-souled, going this way and that way, the world's way and God's way, trying to live for God and trying to live for the world. It can't happen. God says, you'll never draw near to me that way. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and Christians are not perfect. This may not come as much of a surprise, but Christians are fallen, broken humans as well. At times, Christians can even seem to be living a double life, one that is living for God and one that is trying to please everyone in the world. This double life is ineffective and pushes the Christians further from relying on God to sustain their needs. Pastor Ed today encourages everyone to set aside the worldly self and step fully onto the path that God has laid out for us. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. There's no way that you could resist the devil unless you submit to God. Because he goes on to make another statement and he says, resist The devil, you can never, you could never, never resist the devil until you submitted to God. The first base is submitting to God. And before you can get the second base, you have to submit to God. Second base, resist the devil. A life that is not in submission to God is in deep trouble. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That word resist is a military term. It's referring to take your stand. As it were, draw a line in the sand. Take your stance and don't let the enemy have a foothold. I think of how does the enemy get into the church? Well, there are several ways. But the devil, he is a slanderer. In fact, that's one of the meanings of his name. He is a slanderer. There's an intriguing passage of Scripture tucked away in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. It's a picture of the high priest. I'd like to read it to you from Zechariah chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. So here's the picture. Joshua, high priest, standing in the presence of the Lord, ministering to God. Right beside him, on his right side, is Satan. And that position was the position of an accuser in a court. And there Satan stood. And listen to what the text goes on to say. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? And now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. 
here he is, ministering to God, and Satan on his right side, and he's standing in filthy clothes. What is Satan doing? Accusing him. Perhaps he says, remember what you did in the past. And he's bringing up his failures. He's bringing up his past. He's bringing up the sin of bygone days, trying to hinder Joshua. That's what Satan does. And God put him to silence. God took the filthy clothes off that man of God. God took those soiled garments and removed them as he stood in his presence. So Joshua stood, as it were, dressed in clean array. Satan still comes into the church and he whispers, your hands are lifted in worship and words and thoughts come in your mind. You're not worthy to lift up your hands. Maybe you're singing in the choir and the accuser of the brethren comes and reminds you of, his, of your past. Well, just remind him of his future. Satan will accuse us to ourselves and try and hinder our worship to God and our praise to God. And he accuses us to God. But he also does something else. He accuses others to you. Yes. Look over there at her. Look over there at him. Do you remember what he did, what she did? And look at that. That's why James says, don't slander your brothers. Let God be the judge. He knows the hearts of all men. What does the enemy do? He comes in and he uses one of his most powerful tools. It was something that he learned by experience because pride rose in Satan's heart and caused him to rebel against God. And that pride brought him down to the lowly place that he now occupies. And he knows how to cause believers to be proud. He will play on people's hearts. Don't humble yourself. Don't apologize. Don't repent. Uh, You get this idea that Satan comes in and causes people to think better of themselves than they should think at times as well because they look judgmentally on others. The enemy rips the church apart as he causes people to rise up in pride and in arrogance. When he says, resist the devil, when Satan tries to camp out in your mind and speak accusing words towards a brother or a sister in Christ, when he tries to camp out in your head and causes you to look down at someone else and think negatively and pass on negatively, stop him right there. Resist the devil. That's what it means. Ah, I am so grateful for Paul's counsel. Do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let him have one inch. Somebody goes out after service with you. Huh, did you hear about, did you hear about, did you see? Walk out of their company. If someone chronically, critically, 
tears another person apart, get out of their presence because they're being inspired by the very presence of Satan. Hell. These are strong words. But I tell you, if you don't, it'll hinder your spirituality. If you don't, it'll hinder your relationship with God. If you don't, you're going to give the enemy a foothold in your life. See, James is very confrontive. He's right in our face. This is the biblical text. Brothers, do not slander one another. Someone has said, if we don't resist Satan, we will become his captive. If we don't resist Satan, he's going to take over your mind. He'll take and cause you to be negative and critical and bitter. He goes on in the text. He says, draw near to God. Now that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Draw near to God. Ah, we can all have fuzzy emotions about the God that we've created out of the fabrication of our own minds. A God that we're very comfortable with. He never rebukes sin. He sits right beside us and never corrects us. Someone who affirms the direction that we want to take in life. Someone who affirms everything we want to do, even though it's against this book. The God that you have is a fabrication of your own mind. It's an idol. But the God of the Bible has to be approached a certain way. Look at the text. He says, draw near to God. See, if you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. But there's a way to draw near to God. It's simple. Draw near in purity. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The idea is clean the outside. It's a picture of the priest in the Old Testament in going into the presence of the Lord. As they presented themselves into the presence of the Lord, as they would approach and do their priestly duties, they would cleanse their hands. They would keep themselves outwardly clean. And then he goes on and says, purify your hearts. See, it's not enough to be outwardly pure. We have to be inwardly right with God because God looks at the heart as well. He sees the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. And so we're told by James, wash your hands, purify your hearts. That word purify means to be single-minded, to be Devoted to one thing. Not to be torn between the world and God. Not try and serve God on one hand, and on the other hand, try and serve the world. A man had been converted. This converted man went to the church and gave his testimony. And he was in influential circles. And then he went to a party. And someone said to him, Oh, I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad to see you because now I know what I had heard isn't true. He said, what do you mean? He said, I heard that you got religion. He said, no, no, I, I, I got God. And he said, oh, no, I, I thought it just wasn't true because you were here. And suddenly the man realized he didn't belong in that party. He didn't belong with those people. He didn't belong in that group of people. See, if we really are living holy lives. Our lives are going to change. Our lives are going to change. Our lives are going to demonstrate that God is now in control. A man confessed this. He said, I have too much religion or too little. I must either give up what I have or get more. 
I have too little religion to let me enjoy a worldly life and too much worldliness to let me enjoy religion. Are some of us there trying to walk with God and trying to walk in the world, trying to worship God and then trying to gossip about our neighbor and put them down, trying to... Beloved, you can't live in both worlds. And we're told if we're going to draw near to God, wash our hands, purify our hearts, keep from being double-minded, double-souled, going this way and that way, the world's way and God's way, trying to live for God and trying to live for the world. It can't happen. God says, you'll never draw near to me that way. It reminds me of Psalm 24, verses 3 to 5. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive a blessing from the Lord. So he tells us, draw near to God. He takes us a step deeper, a step further, and he brings us to the place of repentance. Now repentance, we know, is the change of mind. It's thinking about things differently. A complete turnaround. Listen to verse 9. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Grieve, mourn, wail. That's a funeral service. The greatest acts of repentance are not when you first come to the cross of Jesus Christ and are saved. That is repentance. But as you go further on with God and you understand more of His holiness and more of your sinfulness, there are times where God gives you a glimpse of your heart and in that glimpse of your heart, you're broken. Well, mourn, grieve. Now, it doesn't mean we camp out in that. Not every service is a mourning service. Not every service is a grieving service. That is, as it were, a part of the journey, not all of the journey, because there is a place for laughter. There is a place for joy. There is a place to smile. And you don't want to live the Christian life like you're chewing on lemons. But there is a place for mourning. When God shows you a glimpse of who you are, there will be a time of deep brokenness and it sometimes goes on for days and even weeks where you get a glimpse of the sinfulness of your own heart some trial reveals it some test opens your eyes some encounter with God does something in you I still remember this handsome successful businessman praying with me And as we were praying, he said, Pastor, I've just had a vision. I've seen God high and lifted up in the temple like Isaiah. Something dramatic happened in his heart at that moment. And when it happened, there was a certain turnaround. He got with a small group of men in the men's ministry group And he made open confession to his addiction to pornography. And God broke him, changed him, delivered him. And God used him as an instrument and is using him as an instrument to help others. 
there is this time for the church to mourn. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. It's not talking about funerals. It's talking about mourning over our spiritual poverty, over our failures. If the church were like this, if people were on their face in repentance, there wouldn't be all the conflicts that there are. If people were, instead some people can strut sitting down, they're so proud. If we were to walk in humility, there would be a unity and a community around us. I know that... uh, One of my favorite hymns is Search Me, O God, taken from Psalm 139, where it reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. One of the things that we lack in our culture is introspection, searching our hearts. Richard Foster writes how very strange that prayer of examine has been lost to we who live in an age of obsessive introspection. It's actually possible today for people to go to church services week in and week out for years without having a single experience of spiritual examine. What a tragedy. What a loss. No wonder people today are weak. No wonder they are barely hanging on. To examine our hearts, to have a certain amount of introspection biblically, so that at the end of the day, you stand before God and say, Oh Lord, show me my sins of omission. Sins I didn't even know about. Maybe I was unkind, or I didn't stop and minister to someone that needed a good word or an encouraging word. Or maybe I missed the opportunity to witness to someone. Or God... Show me my heart. and He shows you pride or he shows you selfishness or he shows you how you could have avoided an argument or, or how maybe you neglected the book or how you become more and more religious and less and less spiritual. There ought to be these times where we examine our hearts, where the Spirit of God puts a searchlight on the inside and we're able to say, Oh, Lord, forgive me. There's a prayer that I sometimes pray on Saturdays. And the prayer says something like this, goes something like this. Lord, trouble me with the trouble of thy church. That's the work of men. The idea is that so many of our troubles are because we have yielded ourselves as instruments of darkness. And yet we're the children of light and we're doing the work of the enemy in the camp of God. It's said that tears of repentance are the pathway into the heart of God. Do not be afraid. And let me just for a moment say this. Do not be afraid of emotion. Now don't go to extremes. There are some people, unless the church service was emotional, we haven't had church. They come every week and expect an emotional high out of church. Unless, you know... It was a jumping circle. No, no. That's not life. It shouldn't be the way churches either. But nor should we be fearful of emotion. When God works deep in a person's heart, it emotes. There are emotions that flow from it. There are sometimes tears. 
tears. There are expressions of joy. There are deep emotions that God touches when he moves in our hearts. So we have from James this picture of weeping and well. It says, stop laughing. And the idea of that laughing is not that there shouldn't be laughter in the house of the Lord, but it's this idea of a smirk. You ever get someone smirk at you? You know, you're in your presence and they think they're better than you. Right? You know, you're always looking down at people. Never be that way. Never be that way. Anything we have is from God. Anything we have is from Him. If it weren't for Him, we'd be just gone in a moment's time. That's why it's so important that we pray for humility because pride will bring a person down. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He calls them unto Himself, and He says, draw near in humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Oh, it's hard at times. Lord, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to go apologize to so-and-so. I'm going to go make things right with the other. God, I'm going to do the lowest job possible here because I know that you are a servant and I'm going to be a servant. Jesus said in Luke 24, 11, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let me say this, and let me ask you to please tuck this away in your heart. Remember this quote. It's much better to humble ourselves than to be humbled by God. Humble yourself before the Lord. Don't exalt yourself. Humble yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. It's better to humble yourselves than to have God humiliate you. God, it's me, O Lord. Me, O Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother. It's me, O Lord. It's me, O Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. James was telling the church... Slam the door shut on Satan's tactics. Don't let him go in and camp out in the house of God. Don't let the enemy wreak havoc among the children of God. Don't let him cause fights and divisions and arguments. How do you do it? You submit to God. Lord, I... I submit to you, I I recognize that you're the giver of every good and perfect gift, and I yield myself 100% to you. God, I come under your providential authority. And as you submit, you'll have a power to resist the enemy when he tries to pull out of his bag of tricks pride. They shouldn't talk to me like that. Do you know who I am? You're a pile of dust like the rest of us. (laughs) There has to be the submission to God that creates an ability to resist everything the enemy might try to do. Now, I know the sermon was a little harder. But, you know, sometimes God takes us up to the mountain and shows us the promised land and gets us dancing. Other times, he takes us to the woodshed and says, 
Be careful. Be careful. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? These words from the book of James could lead one to believe that we must earn our salvation by good works. Pastor Ed will tackle this difficult subject and more as he teaches through the book of James. We'll learn that works are the result of faith, not the other way around. Although building in faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series through the book of James, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.